0: Amen. John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. We take for our text verse 2 there, there was a sorry, verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and the same came to Jesus by night. And you are know, just thinking of individuals that spent time with Jesus on their own, with the woman at the well, and we know the disciples were there, but it was a private conversation I'm sure, and many others and Nicodemus is probably the most well-known of those that spent time with the Lord. And you know, they didn't know that they were in the presence of the king of kings, that they were having a private audience with the Lord. And you know, it must have been wonderful just to hear his wisdom and to see his love shining forth from him With his patience, his willingness to listen, his willingness to understand what we were thinking and what we approach him with. And you know, it's the same, we have that privilege. And we say that wonder did these people realize it, but do we realize it? That when we pray, we are having a private audience with the king of all kings. Wouldn't it be wonderful to meet King Charles? and have that private audience with him. But we have an even greater blessing that we can meet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And as Jesus spoke to these people, the words and conversations they had with him touched many hearts, and it changed many lives, many minds. Now, just reading on this uh, people talking to the Lord. It's a great book by John Brown. He said, The declarations of the apostles are about the development of their master's thoughts. And because they did have private audiences, as it were, with Jesus, and as they, we know they witnessed his ministry, witnessed his wisdom, witnessed his love, his mercy, especially his forgiveness, they were able to share that, their, their master's thoughts, and we should be like that. We should be sharing the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. The things that he has declared unto us, the things that he has shown us and as we were at the table this morning, the wonderful things he's done in our lives. We can be his voice for the lost. Now in John 7, uh, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they asked the officers why they had not brought Jesus to them. And their answer I thought was wonderful. In John 6, verse 47, it said, The others officers answered, Never man spoke like this man. They were so astounded by his wisdom, by his love, by his understanding, that they couldn't arrest him. They I don't know what we would we would they were taken aback. They had went, excuse me. They had went with the intention of waiting on one of the Pharisees or one of the Sadducees or one of the rulers catching Jesus out and and getting him to say something, but he didn't say anything that they could have arrested him for. And so, we see in John 3 this private meeting between Jesus and Nicodemus. Jesus had it's good to know what happened before this event. Jesus had just come back from Galilee with uh, the wedding with Peter, Andrew, John, Philip, and Nathaniel. And at this time, Jesus was seen as a just a, a man with a humble Jewish background. All his followers were men of the same socio-economic group. They were all of, uh, not men of notoriety, not well known as such. Just known as fishermen and just ordinary, common. Uh, people. And Jesus, as we would say in Northern Ireland here, he had been rattling a few cages and he was developing enemies whose livelihood was challenged by his words and his deeds. If we look at Matthew 21 and 23, sorry, no, didn't put that one in. It says, And when he was come to the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, by what authority doest these things? Who give thee this authority? And so we see that his wisdom, his love, his mercy was being received by some. But it was too much of a challenge for others. We know what happened when he went into the temple. They were defrauding the people with false weights. And they were bringing blemished animals for sacrifice. And it was more or less a con shop rather than somewhere... Where good, honest dealing was done. And so, there were many that did not appreciate their audience with the king. But Jesus had also done many miracles, and this they could not deny. You see, people can deny different things, but they can't deny pure, solid evidence. And the evidence was there. As many people had seen it, and many people were talking about it. And I'm sure it was all around the towns and the villages when Jesus healed someone. When he healed them, he cast out the demons for the man who had many demons who run around the graves. The word must have spread. People were terrified of this guy. One historian I read said sometimes people would take a seven mile detour just to annoy him, or to avoid him, sorry, not to annoy him, just to avoid him. And so these miracles which Jesus did, they must have been gone round. And his reputation must have been growing throughout the country. Many were seeing him as a divine messenger or prophet. But among those who wished to genuinely know more about this divine messenger, this prophet, was this man called Nicodemus, a member of the sect of the Pharisees. We know that he was a man of high rank and was highly respected. In fact, in John 3 and 1, he's called a ruler of the Jews. Some state that he was not looking for the Messiah. His initial uh, plan to go and talk to Jesus was really about a temporal deliverer rather than looking for the Messiah. See, and initially he was not seeking for personal salvation because this man, as we'll see in a moment, thought that they had this salvation. But he was looking for national deliverance like many from the Romans. And this was a mistake that they were making. They were wanting the Messiah to come, but it was nothing to do with salvation. It was nothing to do with taking away their sins. It was to do with defeating their natural enemies. And this seems to be what Nicodemus and others thought of Jesus or thought of the Messiah at the time. And Nicodemus, he seems to have came along seeking this temporal deliverance from natural enemies. He seems to have been a man with an inquisitive mind, because to him Jesus was an obscure Galilean stranger, but also a descendant of David, which again we know the the Messiah would come through that line. We could suggest that Nicodemus had come to the conclusion that this Nazarene was a divinely commissioned messenger, and he wished to have a private conversation with him private conversation with him. Things were happening. The people were being stirred. They knew something is happening, but what's going to be the final outcome? Because if we remember that both John the Baptist and Jesus both said that the kingdom of God was at hand. And for those that believed in the return of the Messiah, and as they looked about, they might have seen what they thought were the signs that Jesus was returning, or sorry, the Messiah was going to come that the kingdom was just going to be established, then we can, we can safely assume that when he came at night to speak to Jesus, this was on his mind. Is this the deliverance from our Roman oppressors? But he was afraid. He came at night to speak to Jesus. <clears throat> there was a fear. But was this fear of getting himself in danger from his colleagues in the Sanhedrin or from the Roman government? Amen. Sorry, but my mouth's really dry this morning. The fear from his colleagues in the Sanhedrin, this was a threat to his position if he had been found out. Because they were scheming and planning already, trying to find the wise amongst them to see if they could confuse Jesus or, or con Jesus into making a statement that they could arrest him for. And so, was there this fear of losing his position in life, and maybe he'd been losing his life? Such was their bitterness against Jesus. Or from the Roman government, if they'd have heard that this leader amongst the Jews had went to this man, they'd have heard these rumors, they'd have had spies in the land, and they would have maybe thought, look, they're going around saying that this Messiah is coming and he's going to deliver them from us. And so he was putting himself in a lot of danger. We know that. But he wanted this interview with Jesus to be private. Now, we know he must have either heard personally or uh, spoke to others of the miracles which Jesus did. In fact, it tells us that in John 3 verse 2. The same came by night as Jesus said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So this recognition was not the Messiah as such, but this 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 wanted to see because without any doubt, Nicodemus said, there's no doubt you come from God. No one can do what you have done except God be with them. It's interesting to note what Jesus said to him because Jesus didn't start to expound or explain these miracles or testify right away of who he was because Jesus knew this man's heart And he told him what he needed to hear. What he needed to hear. We can go to the Lord and we can pray to the Lord. And we can want what we want to hear. But we need to be open to listen to Jesus and let Jesus show us what we need to hear. And we can only do that when we spend time with him. He knew his heart. He knew what he wanted to hear. And to enter this coming kingdom, Jesus told him in John 3 and 3. Jesus said unto him, Truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This to you and I is a self-explanatory statement. We have the, the, the blessing of reading this and knowing the outcome of this, but try and put yourself in Nicodemus' place when he heard this statement. Because to him, this meant that all men, Jews and Gentiles alike, there was no distinction. Jesus didn't say, except a Jew be born again, except a Gentile be born again, except somebody from this nation be born again, except all white people, except all black people, all Chinese. This was all men needed to be born again. Now again, it's probable that Nicodemus either personally heard or was told what John the Baptist had said. And so he had been thinking again about this coming kingdom. So this high-ranking religious official was told by John the Baptist also to repent. So when Jesus spoke to him about being born again, did did the two of them come together? Did Did the understanding or did this open even more his inquisitiveness as to what really are you saying? Because again, he was looking for temporal deliverance from their natural enemies, the Romans. All this could have been challenged, could have, sorry, challenged his views on the kingdom of God because he was being told by John the Baptist, by Jesus, to turn around, to enter the kingdom of God. You need to change your heart and your mind. To change your heart and your mind. Nicodemus, he would have known Daniel's prophecy denoting the order of things to be established by the Messiah. In Daniel 2.44... It says, and in the days these kings uh, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So this kingdom that they were reading from Daniel 2 and 44 was going to destroy all other kingdoms and establish this kingdom, which John the Baptist, as far as he knew, and Jesus was talking about when he said the kingdom of God is at hand. And you know, to see the kingdom of of heaven may signify two things. Firstly, to apprehend the truth of this order of things and to enjoy its privileges. To apprehend the truth of the order of these things and to enjoy its privileges. So, in his mind, what he was saying was, if this was the Messiah then they were going to be delivered. This kingdom was going to be set up. All other kingdoms would be destroyed. And therefore, as a Jew, he would uh, uh, enjoy the peculiar privileges of the kingdom of God. Both these ideas could be included because apprehending the truth or knowledge of the truth, men become partakers of its blessings and privileges. He lived in an age when men needed to hear something. They were being oppressed There was trials and troubles that they were going through every day. They were praying for deliverance. They, as they thought, seen the signs of the coming of the Lord. And they were looking for a wrong deliverance, not the deliverance that God had promised. They were looking for the blessings and privileges and no longer living under Roman oppression. They wanted to be free men again. They wanted to be living in this kingdom where there would be no more enemies and God would be their God and he would, they would be his people. But Jesus was explaining and, and also what John the Baptist said, to be born again means that uh, undergoing of a thorough change in your life. Undergoing of a thorough change in your life. It's beneficial in its character and the cause of which is not and in the individual's undergoes it. In other words, this change in your life would come from God. God would change your life. God would change your heart. God would change your thoughts if you repented and were born again. You see, Nicodemus, we know, thought that the Jews who were the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they they thought that they were the subjects of the Messiah. They were the reason the Messiah was coming. They were the reason that the Messiah was coming. They were the children of the kingdom that was to be established. And so he thought that Jesus' statement was strange because he took it in the literal sense. We know that he looked at him and he says, well, how can this be done, he asked. Now, being a leader and an academic, Nicodemus was not stupid. He recognized Jesus as a teacher, and so we can safely assume he knew that Jesus was talking figuratively. Many say that he was being sarcastic to Jesus when he say, can a man enter his mother's womb a second time? But I think he was just trying to come to terms in his own mind of what Jesus was saying. Because it was customary among the Jews when a heathen proselyte uh, was admitted into the commonwealth of Israel, the term to change meant that they underwent a new birth. So, as stated, uh, Nicodemus believed that the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all Israelites, were children of the kingdom of God. And for someone to come into this kingdom, someone to become part of this kingdom, they, they had to have this change, this new birth, that they might be part of the blessings of this kingdom. So, therefore, Nicodemus could not conceive what change was necessary for the Jews to secure their sharing of the kingdom protections and his privileges. He couldn't understand, what what do we need to change? change? We are the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're children of the kingdom. He's more or less saying, we don't need to change. So what is it you're saying? We need to change. You know, if Jesus had said, a Gentile must be born again, this he would have understood. This he would have accepted freely. Well, that's right. They need to change. But Jesus was talking to him directly. Jesus was more or less saying, Nicodemus, this wonderful religious man, you need to be born again. You need a change of heart. What a challenge to this man, a decent man, an honest man who obviously loved the Lord and wanted to know the desire was there for a a man whose heart was for the people because he wasn't going into Jesus and saying, is the Messiah coming for me? Is the Messiah coming to deliver us from oppression? He loved his nation. You see, the concept, concept, sorry, of a Jew being born again was as usual as a statement as saying a man can enter his mother's womb and be born again. And so that was a challenge he was firing back at Jesus. He was taking it, uh, 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 sorry, literally, but then Jesus repeated the statement and added, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say unto you, except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Then we go on to the next verse. It says, "Not." That I said unto thee, ye ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. The change that Jesus was referring to was not an external profession, but a change of inward character. Because you see, anyone can declare, just as Nicodemus declared that the Israelites were already children of the kingdom, children of God. People today can say, well, I'm a Christian, I go to church. It's an an outward declaration. But what we need is a change in our inward character so we can truly say that we are children of the kingdom. Because this was not just a man changing his mind. But this was a, a man being asked, To undergo a change of mind which is produced by the operation of the Spirit of God. Again, John 3 and 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And I firmly believe that it's the Holy Spirit convicts people. And it's the Holy Spirit changes people. God uses us, His people, His servants, to share His Word to share His love, to reach out to the lost. But we need to understand the reality is that we won't change someone's heart. We'll speak to the cows come home, as they used to say. But it's when the Holy Spirit takes what we are doing, takes what we are saying, takes how we are reaching out, and convicts the heart, then it's the Holy Spirit changes the heart. If you tell someone that what they're doing in their life is destroying their life, They'll do one or two things. They'll appreciate your care, but they'll ignore you. Or they'll get angry with you and ask you who on earth you think you are. But when the Holy Spirit touches someone and tells them that they need to change their lives, then you know there is true conviction. I remember sitting in my office and a young man coming in and telling me, I need to change my life. I knew the Holy Spirit was working in him. Many years ago, we were over in the old building, and it was about eight or nine young people said they wanted to be saved, and we took them up the stairs, and we were in a room, and there was other people from the church with me, but I knew something just wasn't right. One of them was definitely under conviction, and so I asked the rest of them, are you here because she's here, or are you here because you really, genuinely want to be saved, and that young girl gave her heart to the Lord. And the rest of them were honest enough within their own hearts. There was just the heat of the moment. Let's go up the stairs and pray. Now, definitely wasn't rude with them and told them we'd help them all we could. But I wasn't going to pray with people that didn't want to pray in the first place. It's the Holy Spirit convicts and turns a man's heart. Flesh here may mean human nature apart from supernatural influence. So that which is born of human nature is flesh. But when you're born of the Spirit, you change. God changes your life. And it's not just bad, evil people, but sinners who fall short of the glory of God. And this is why we need to be born again. We need to be born of the Spirit. We can confess with our mouths. We can, in the heat of the moment, Many people have done this, church. Particularly at uh, these big rallies that are held. And thank God for these rallies. And many are saved at them. But I've heard many people say that they went forward. They just got caught up in the moment. And their Christianity lasted a couple of weeks. And they were back to where they were. But when we're praying for people. And I really feel there's a spirit of prayer taking over the church. And praying for unsaved and those that have gone cold. What we need to pray is, Lord, convict them by their spirit. Convict them. We can pray, Lord, let them remember the good times they had here in church and let them remember the the good times they had in whatever church they went to. Lord, convict them. Make them born again. Make them seek to be born again, to be changed. You see, Nicodemus, we know, was born of the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, born of the flesh. But to enter the kingdom of God, this religious man needed to be born of the Spirit. And I believe like Paul, he lived a religious life. He lived with a desire to serve the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind. He could have quoted the Shammah, uh, Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. And in his life he proved that he loved the Lord his God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind. And he would have prayed the Shammah. But you know something, there was something missing There was that personal relationship. And I believe Nicodemus was under conviction by the Holy Ghost. God's Spirit was working in him because God knew that this man didn't see fulfillment in the religious life he was living. Many recognized him as a great man, as a leader. He wouldn't have been in the position he was if he was an idiot. He was well recognized throughout the, 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 the country. But he needed this change. He needed to be born of the Spirit. Because I want you to know something. We do not inherit the kingdom of God through our families. I told my children from there were no age. It's not enough that your mom and daughter are Christians. You have to make that personal commitment yourself. You have to repent and turn to the Lord in prayer. And that's why. We should cherish so much our young people and, and teach them the things of God. They all need to be born of the Spirit. What happens is an internal spiritual change in your life. An internal spiritual change in your life. When I was saved, I can tell you anyone told me I needed to give up this or give up that that have put me off. But it was the spirit in me telling me, convicting me that this is wrong. This is wrong. And that's why I was able to turn and repent from the life I was living. This internal spiritual change took part in my life. It wasn't a natural human change which can improve things and, and make us a better person as such. It's the work of the Holy Ghost working in us. Are you praying for someone? I'm praying, I pray every night of a list of unsaved people I pray for. But my prayer is, Lord, convict them by your Spirit. Give them no rest until they turn to you, until they repent, till they change their lives. Work in them, Lord. God can change us to someone who depended on themselves, to someone who's dependent on the Lord for their salvation and dependent on the Lord for their lives and for the things that happen in their lives. And that's the salvation of the Lord. It works that change in you. It works that change in me. So the concept which Jesus spoke to Nicodemus about meant that a Jew would have to, com- uh, to complete an internal change to be able to enter into the Messiah's kingdom. This was a challenge. Challenge of a lifetime of learning and core beliefs. Because he had been brought up being taught this. From Nicodemus was a child, he was taught, and he believed that as the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they entered the kingdom through inheritance. The Jews believed in what was called the merits of Abraham. And Abraham was such a good man, such a righteous man, that he had built up these merits, so many merits with God, that his seed could therefore enter into the kingdom of God. And Jesus knew this, and he knew Nicodemus' thoughts again and challenged him here. And he said to him, art thou a master in Israel and knowest not these things? And this would have made Nicodemus stop and think, because it was a challenge, because Jesus was more or less saying to him, if you have studied what we would call the Old Testament Scriptures, he might have known that this internal change was necessary for him. For the Jews to enter into the kingdom of God. But was his studies selective? And you know there's a lot of people, their studies are selective. They take out verses which suit the outcome that they want. Had he have known the Scriptures, he would have known that this kingdom was a spiritual kingdom in his nature. wasn't a, a, a mighty general coming to deliver them from Roman oppression. The promised Messiah was not coming to deliver them from their natural physical enemies, the Romans. This Messiah was coming to free them from their sins, to free them from their separation from God. And he was going to do this by his death on the cross, not by a mighty military victory, but by his death on the cross, and therefore establish the kingdom of God on earth. Ezekiel 36, 25. Says, then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, from all your idols will I cleanse thee. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments. And do them. So, this teacher in Israel also, he would have known this. But this was a challenge to a lifetime of learning. And the only one can change that, folks, is the Holy Spirit. And it's not unique to Nicodemus. When I was associate pastor here, it was about from about 2004 to 2007, I used to go down to uh, Tillysburn, the nursing home. Uh, I, I can't remember the name of it. It's near Davy's house. Mine have bought that house, you know, so she could throw Davy over the wall. <laughs> but I used to go down there and share the word of God. And there was a, a, a wee man, self-appointed spokesman. If I can remember, I think his name was Alfie or something. And so I'd have went and we'd have sang a hymn, shared the word of God, sang another hymn and prayed. And then Alfie would have thanked me on behalf of the home. But... One day I was talking about salvation and about the need to give your heart to the Lord. And he asked me, could I talk to him in private? So said certainly, I thought, you know, I said as a minister, he always wanted to tell me jokes that I could tell the church. And I didn't tell you his jokes because mine are bad, but his were horrendous. But anyhow, I often said, could I talk to you? So I said, yes. And he says, you know something, and this is, I'll not say the church because I'm not attacking the church. Particular church he went to, he said he was born into it. And he went to Sunday school. And he grew up in the church. He met his wife in the church. They got married in the church. Their children grew up in the church. And he was an elder in this one particular church. Uh, they didn't move from the area. So they 80-something years, he was a member of that church. And then it really shocked me. Because it says, you know something, Pastor? No one has ever told me I needed to be saved. Because, you see, he was brought up and taught, be a good person. Repeat the things that we want you to repeat and come out and we'll christen you. And when you get older, if you do this, we'll, I don't know what to call it. I don't think it's confirmed, but that doesn't matter. The point is, his whole life he was taught, just live the best you can. Read the Word of God. Give to the Lord. And at 80-odd years of age, I was able to lead him to the Lord Jesus Christ. But the truth of that day was God convicted him. If I'd have said to him, Alfie, sit down, see what they taught you in your church is wrong, he'd have told me to get lost. Because 80 years of teaching there. But why what changed him that day, in that little private conversation we had together, was the Holy Spirit convicting him. And it was such an honor to pray with him and to actually hear the shaking in his voice with emotion. Of surrendering his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we can be taught these things. Uh, Nicodemus was taught these things, Jamar thirty one to thirty uh, one to thirty three. But the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was an husband. Unto them saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel: After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts, and write in their hearts; and will be their God, and they shall be my people. They shall be my people. We can be the children of God. I believe that we and the isles of the sea are the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I believe we have a special calling, but our special calling is not that we're going to be saved by inheritance. Our special calling is that we are to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ, and He would empower us with His Spirit that we might be those witnesses. And like Nicodemus, I wonder, is God challenging you this morning? Do you need a change of heart? You've made a confession. You've went to your church. You've been faithful in your giving, faithful in your service. But have you repented? Have you turned around? Have you realized that religion will not earn your salvation? Whether you're here this morning or watching on the internet, you need to be born again. That's the words of Jesus, not my words, not what this church teaches. You need, well, it does teach it like, but we didn't make it up. It's the words of Jesus we teach. And he said, you need to be born again. And so, church, what can we do? We can pray for people for the convicting power of the Holy Ghost in their lives. That they will seek this personal, private audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that they will understand their need to change. And the Holy Spirit can make that change. I've spoke to many people who couldn't beat different things which were in their lives. And yet when they surrendered to Jesus, they had the victory over them because God had changed their hearts. They began to realize that they needed the Lord Jesus Christ. They began to realize that they needed his love. They began to realize that they needed his power in their lives. And it's our prayer, as Pastor Cover comes back to lead us in our closing worship, that anyone here has never made that repentance made that change of heart, then I pray you do it this morning. But you know, sometimes when we've done that and something has happened to us and we've just allowed a bit of anger, a bit of bitterness, a bit of hurt to separate us from the church and from God. Do you know something? You can still have that private audience with Jesus and his spirit will convict you to come back to him because he's never left you you have left him it's a wonderful thing to know that Jesus always stands with open arms ready to receive spoke to a guy he told me not this church that he couldn't go back to the church because he burned his bridge and advised him to go back to his church because God would go before him and if he's humble enough to repent of what he did God's people will receive him I don't know the outcome of that one, but we as God's people can receive the lost, the wayward, the prodigals, just as the Lord wants us to when we turn to him. Let's stand.